0: Hello, everyone. It's me. I'm back with my fifth episode. Thank you again for sticking with me and know that each episode leads to where I am today. In my last podcast, I talked about how my therapist and I completed our first and second sessions of EMDR. And the second session worked well for me. It brought to the surface many things I was either blocking out or buried deep in my soul. So many things. Wow, it's just crazy. Um, The pain and the guilt I felt during and after the assault. How disgusted I felt. How I blamed myself. How angry I was with myself and the Command Sergeant Major. Um, It was just a lot of stuff that came out for me or came up for me. Um, In addition, I realized after the EMDR sessions even more how the assault had affected all of my relationships, especially where intimacy was concerned. And if I wasn't willing to go through this therapy to make some changes, I thought to myself, I will unintentionally continue to sabotage every relationship. So therapy, it was necessary. And I had resolved in myself Um, that I had to just think that way and continue improving myself through the therapy I was doing. So after the EMDR sessions, um, my therapist and I, we took a two-week break. After that second session, um, I needed it. It was good for me. My head was swimming with so many thoughts. Do you know that I created a buffer around me I didn't realize it until after going through the EMDR and just kind of putting pieces together. And that buffer was how I resisted physical touch. Not only from my ex-husband, my ex-fiance, ex-boyfriends but from family members and friends. I remember when I moved out to Colorado in 1998 and I started working at this company where we, every employee got along great and we had over 100 employees and we used to do a lot of stuff together. But I remember my friends always just pointing out how my space was so important to me and how I didn't like I didn't give hugs. I didn't want people to touch me. And, you know, this was in 98. I got out of the military in 1996. And I just didn't put it together. I, I, I you know, growing up, um, I was from a touchy-feely family. We enjoyed each other. We did things together. And I never thought about it. But I didn't even put it together that after my assault, that I had put up this wall around me. And people knew this wall was around me, that they couldn't invade my space, especially with physical touch. So, you know, it's just, I mean, that's just some of the stuff that came out after that second session. Um, And it was just, you know, those things that came up just started making me realize how the assault affected most of my relationships. So, you know, I still, you know, that two week break, I needed it, you know, especially to get over that first session. I really needed it. And and to be honest with you, MDR scared me. It scared me because I just didn't know how powerful it was. In the long run has it helped me I would say yes but the thoughts and the memories and everything that was very deep in my soul to come out like it did I felt like I had no control over my mind and That's always been a fear of mine. I don't know why, but it has always been a fear of mine that I would not have control over my mind. So even to this day, I fear EMDR. And maybe it was that first session that's made me afraid of it. I don't know, but I I fear EMDR, even though I know it helped me through some of the trauma. So two weeks off and then we we started back Um, the last week of February. And in the first session we worked on my physical reaction to the term sexual assault every time that term was spoken in therapy or my therapist wrote it out to me in emails i cringed i would just get this really sick feeling in my stomach and a pain in my forehead and i know it was just the stress and the tension of the word um so we decided to concentrate on doing mindfulness and developing a step point as to why I was reacting to the term. So we came up with if I say it out loud, I was sexually assaulted. It really really does mean that it happened. That was the stu- and I'm weak. That was the step point that we came up with. Cause I think by not speaking it, I didn't really take ownership of it. I didn't take ownership that something really bad had happened to me in Panama. And then when we started speaking it out, or when my therapist started saying it, the term bothered me so much. And I finally had enough guts to tell him that it was really just driving me insane to hear him say that. We also worked on how I felt like an outsider amongst my friends because I couldn't relate to the excitement they had about sex and intimacy. After that session though, I was having some not so good thoughts on how I felt the session went. So I sent an email to my therapist, you know, and I just wanted to let him know. I said, first, I don't think therapy went well today for me, mainly because we hit on a difficult subject for me to engage verbally in and I just thought I would write what I couldn't say below. I was good at writing stuff and I've always been that way. I've always been able to write better than I speak in person, especially when it's something that bothers me and it's something that's going to bring out some kind of emotion. I would rather put it in writing versus speaking it out loud to someone. So I did this a lot throughout our, throughout our therapy sessions um so you know we just kind of you know and i i wrote i wrote this email and in this email i just put a bunch of things and i said i thought about it and my own alternative thoughts are maybe i should share my concerns or fears up front and that person will be very supportive and not run and what i was saying is maybe i should let people know because we were talking about sex and how i really i just i couldn't engage in it anymore once i started therapy I was not going to engage in in sex and that was because I had this fear that everything would repeat exactly what it had done in the past which is me placating someone and then the real, real me come out later and the relationships are over because I can't function in a sexual manner because of my fears. Um, one of the other things I said in the email was maybe I should find someone just like me and just be cool with it. Um, someone whose intimacy desires are rated where mine are, which is no, none. <laughs> I, you know, maybe I could find a person like that. You know, even though I write it, it's pretty sad that you think that way. But, you know, maybe the person that I I could have found or would find in my future would have the same lack of desire for sex, as I do, and we could live happily ever after. Now I know that intimacy is a very important part of a relationship, so I don't think it'll work for me. Um, The other thing I talked about in my email to him was about how my friends joke about my lack of desire for intimacy. They think I'm too conservative and a stick in the mud. It's not a secret to them that I don't engage in much intimacy. For example, we had a girls' night out one Saturday, and after a few drinks, of course, women would start to talk about sex, especially my friends. Well, I didn't engage, and that wasn't surprising to them, not at all, because, I mean, this happens all the time. But like always, the conversation changed to talking about how uncomfortable I might be because of what they were sharing. You know, I'm sitting at the, and I remember I was sitting at the head of the table and I just kind of played it off as everyone's looking at me and I just played it off by laughing and responding with, um, it's your prerogative to do or talk how you please. It doesn't bother me. I'm okay with whatever you guys are saying. You're just crazy. But, It didn't change. Everyone, the focus was on me now. So, of course, everyone is looking at me and they're talking about me. I became the focal point of that conversation. I laughed it off at that time, but it did bother me. Because I'm sitting at a table with seven other women who love intimacy, who love sex, and can't live without it. And they openly talk about it. But I can't. Yes, I'm bothered, concerned, embarrassed, shame, shameful, and confused. Why am I this way? I asked myself. And in all reality, this is one of the many reasons I started therapy. I want to know why can't I be like my friends? Why can't I desire have the same desires? So that was, you know, You know, I asked a few questions in the email. I said, you know, why can't I be vulnerable? Why I walk around with this facade all all the time? Why I have anxiety? Why I have panic attacks? Why I feel alone? And the last part that makes me really sad to even say is, why am I alone? Because even today, I am still alone. I went on to tell him that my problem with intimacy and sex to be more specific was I felt like I was being suffocated or dominated. I always feel like I'm not in control of what's happening and I panic. And then it all becomes too intense for me. It reminds me of what I went through in Panama and I freak out about it. Yep. The difficult subject he brought up was sex and being intimate with someone and I didn't know didn't I didn't know how to discuss it with him in person. I was still feeling some hesitation as to how comfortable I felt sharing intimate details on certain things, and I was embarrassed. He replied to my email with, thank you for your openness and honesty, and these thoughts can be attributed to stuck points that we can work on. And he said, the way I was, it is very similar to the way other veterans who are victims of military sexual assault are. The next session, we talked at length about the stuck points I came up with. And by the end of the session, I felt more comfortable about responding and sharing more intimate details. He sent me an email after this session stating he appreciated working with me and my sincere desire to get better. For the next three to four weeks, each session became easier and easier and I trusted him more and more. Something really big that I haven't mentioned earlier in the earlier podcast was... Um, that I never told my therapist the full extent of the assault. All he knew up until April 2nd, 2018 was that the command sergeant major harassed me and touched my private areas with his hands, grabbed me, and tried many times to kiss me without my consent. I honestly don't know why I didn't tell him all of it in the beginning. I think you know, when I think back, I really think I blocked out the worst part and the D- EMDR made it all resurface. I I mean, that's the only thing I can chalk it up to because I felt like when he asked the question, what was the worst part of the assault? And it was what I could remember at that moment was just him grabbing me and holding me i do i did have some visions of the assault going a little further but every time those visions would come up in my head and my brain i would block them because i just wasn't ready to face it i there was no way that i could bring this out at that time so as each session went on i continued to start I, you know i started trusting him more and so I felt like it was time for me to share the truth. And I know that was necessary in order for things to continue to get better because even though we were working, we were at a stuck point. There was, you know, there was something that Well, obviously, for me, it was knowing that there was more to the story than what I had told my therapist. And in order for me to get better, he needed to know the whole truth so we could work on the total situation, not just part of it. So I, you know, I was like, okay, it's time. I will tell you, though, after the EMDR sessions, um, I started having serious nightmares and panic attacks and I I was really beating myself up. I was beating myself up because I know or I knew I was withholding some information and I needed to release that from my soul. Um, And that's why, you know, I was having all of this tension and pain and stress in my body was because I was holding on to the the most serious part. My therapist had no idea command sergeant major had raped me and as i was realizing that i was stuck and nothing would get better i said i'm just going i just one day i just said um I'm, i'm going to share this but of course i'm a praying woman so i needed to pray about it so i prayed and i prayed for a few weeks for courage and strength to share everything with my therapist and on april 2nd i did just that With many tears flowing and extreme embarrassment, I told my therapist everything about the assault. I disclosed everything I remembered with very little censorship. He was very gentle, calm, and showed a lot of empathy towards me. He allowed space for me to show my emotions, and he did not make me feel less. And he made sure to emphasize how proud he was of me and that he knew I was holding more back. I left there uh, I think I was a little distraught but from what I remember I I think I felt okay as the therapy hour ended um, because of just the atmosphere he created an atmosphere for me to be open with him and I felt comfortable enough to do it So I drove home after the session, feeling relieved, but a little shame and tried my best to forget the session. Later that day, my therapist, he sent me another message saying I did a fantastic job in session today. Not a lot. I mean, that was it. Just one sentence. Not a lot. But it was just enough to make me feel okay. The worst part of the assault is out of the bag now, and we can move forward. But I think my therapist thought I was ready to move forward to not even talking about the assault much because the majority of the follow-up appointments or sessions after that were spent laughing and talking about whatever. It was like we accomplished whatever I needed to accomplish in that session when when I revealed the full truth. And now it was time to play. It was time for us to have... I think it was play therapy. And this is when I think our therapeutic relationship really changed. I started I know I started developing feelings for him at that time or stronger feelings for him at that time. Obviously, if I'm trusting someone, I there's some emotions, an emotional part of me investing in that person. So well, that's it for um this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Like I said before, it will all lead to exactly where I am today. And, you know, if you have any comments or questions you want to post on my podcast, um, please do so. Uh, I would love to answer. And, you know, I appreciate you guys listening to me. And hopefully I'm keeping it interesting and you will stick with me. So. Like I said, um, it's just dealing with transference and the denial of countertransference and the effect it has on an individual. So thank you again for listening. I really appreciate you guys.